Welcome back to another episode of Startups for the Rest of Us. I'm Rob Walling, and today I welcome Justin Vincent on the show. We talk a bit about how to generate startup ideas, plus look at eight ideas he brings to the show that you can steal. Justin and I had a great time talking through these ideas. He had sourced them from a few mastermind friends of his as well as his own brain, he has a tendency for coming up with ideas. I really enjoyed our conversation. If you don't know of Justin, he is the co-host of the Tech Zing podcast. And he also, last time he was on this show, was running Nugget.one, which is a community for early stage founders, as well as a bunch of business ideas, 4,000, he tells me. I thought it was like 800, but 4,000 different business ideas that he had gathered over a few years. He is no longer focused on that. He's moved on to a new idea, which we will talk about in the show. So let's dive right in to our conversation about generating startup ideas. I want to ask you about coming up with, with startup ideas because, A, it's something that you have done a lot. I mean, I heard you do it on texting your podcast many times, coming up with ideas and even just bringing new ideas, talking through them with your co-host. But I also watched you start Nugget, Nugget.one, which you know we've talked about here on the show before, where you you didn't generate all these ideas yourself, but you did bring them in, evaluate them, and kind of turn them through. And there's like 780 of them or something like that. 4,000. Are there? Oh my gosh. Oh, I was only looking at the yeah. premium ones. So 4,000, holy moly. Okay. Yeah, that's right. And you have generously you know, uh, allowed me to talk about some of them in the YouTube series that I'm doing. About every six weeks, eight weeks, I do a, you know, here are some SaaS ideas that to get your mind going, basically. And so the YouTube channel will start showing some of those. But really today, I want to talk about, A, your process for coming up with ideas, and then you had some ideas you wanted to bring to the show, right, that you wanted to talk to listeners about. Yeah. So since we set this up, I've just been thinking through stuff. I've asked a couple of people for some ideas and I've got, let's see, I've got nine ideas for you. I've got two ideas that I think would be good for solo bootstrappers because it's a specific kind of context. I think your context really matters about the idea that you pick. And that's actually kind of a big part of why I started Nugget in the first place because I realized I was really bad at picking ideas. So I wanted to just do that thing where I got a chance to test, test it out many, many, many times. And ultimately, you know what I've learned over like 25 years? I've learned that I need to do a to-do app because that that's where I'm at. Like that makes the most sense for me. And it's finally, I'm going to actually build something very good that's very useful. There's so many different lessons that you learn as you, as you execute ideas and realize things. Like for example, building on Twitter or building on other platforms, it's like, okay, these guys can shift the ground from under my feet. That's, really, that's a really high risk. So, I, okay, I'm going to pick ideas where I don't build on other people's platforms. You know, or other other things that I learned, like with Light, the mobile delivery app. Like, no, don't pick an idea where you have to manage loads of people because that's really painful. You know, just do something that. So ultimately, it just boils down to okay, for me, the best thing for me to be working on is something that I can just totally do by myself. I can be the sort of one man wrecking crew, and I can bring really high value to people, and I can work with customers and develop features that they like. That's my sweet spot. Might be different for other people. But uh, anyway, I, that, that was a little um, side, side tangent there. So I've got two solo bootstrapper ideas. I've got four ambitious bootstrapper ideas for you. I've got two VC ideas for you. And I've got one absolutely out there idea. All right. Shall we start? Yeah, please do. Yeah, let's go for it. Okay, let's go through it in that order. So we'll do, first of all, and, and as I go through them, let's um, do some banter as well. So you just give me your instant impression, 
And then we'll have a quick little talk about what a go-to-market might be, what the downsides and upsides might be. Okay, first one. Um, this was something that I actually had a look at and had a go at doing a few years ago, maybe four or five years ago. Transcription for team meetings. You know, I did pretty well. I validated it. I, I got it out there on a few different sites and I did really well at that first stage of show, getting consumer interest. But when I actually went to really build it, it didn't match the expectations. And the main reason is, is because transcription for meetings is a really good thing to have. You want, you want to be able to take notes, you want to turn them into text as you're having a call like this or just a regular Skype call with your coworkers. The issue is, is that the AI was just not good enough to transcribe audio that had background noise or had crappy phone connections or whatever. But now there's a new game in town, OpenAI Whisper, and um, I'll send you a little link to this. But basically, it's completely open and available to use. It's unrestricted software. And the key point here is it's finally good enough to transcribe really bad phone uh, audio quality into good meetings. And so people might say, oh, okay, there's going to be a lot of competition in, that in this space. And this is something else we should, we should probably touch on as well. Competition doesn't matter, in my opinion, when you're talking about the beginning of seeding something. I mean, look at you and Drip. I mean, you went into a space that had an insane amount of competition and you just executed and executed and all of a sudden you built a mountain just as big as the other people's mountain. You know, that's, that's the point. So actually competition is great because it means there's validated market here. So what you can do is uh, you can use a system like this and you could build a custom SaaS app for teams to share and search their notes. Uh, they can maybe comment on transcriptions. They could share transcriptions, export them. It could be a plugin at the computer level that plugged into Zoom or Slack or many different things. Or you could plug in at this operating system level and just start tracking the audio, you know, the, the audio stream and, and start transcribing from there. That's the first one. All right. So my first question to you is who needs transcriptions of their meetings? And the reason I ask is I have this thing called the 5 p.m. framework where it's five P's and one M. It's like the problem, the purchaser, the pricing model, the market, product market fit or product founder fit and the pain to validate it. And it's just a mental framework of thinking through its idea evaluation, right? Just a checklist of a bunch of questions and stuff. I've talked about it eight episodes ago or whatever. And, and they're in that order. It's like problem is number one, purchaser number two, blah, blah, blah. I don't have this problem. And so I'm wondering who does. I'm not saying no one does. I know someone does. But like, why is it that I run two teams of however big they are, six and five, and we have team meetings and we just never record them. We either take notes or we remember or whatever, or, you know, people put on their to-do list. So who does have this need? You know, that's a great question. And I think, I think it's about notes and getting it into, so when you, when you just take notes, it's kind of a bit limited because you're just, you're in the middle of all, you're thinking about two things at the same time. You're thinking about taking the note, capturing what they just said, and you're thinking about what they're saying right now as you're writing the note. So you're a little bit bifurcated mentally. So I would imagine that for the person taking the notes, it would be super helpful to just have this stream that they could just really quickly type in the keywords of, of and just quickly go through it, you know, and just go, okay, get that out into the bullets and then also be more present in the meeting. I think that would be my answer. So your ideal customer, or in this, this case, the purchaser would be someone who works at a company where they tend to take a lot of notes in their meetings. Mm -hmm. And again, that's not me. That's not our companies. I don't know why. It's like when we'll have meetings and it's like, okay, so now we know there's an action item. We assign it to Rob. I go, it goes in my Trello board right then. And then we send it to Tracy. It goes in her, whatever her to-do list app is. 
so yeah, there's really relatively few, I guess, you know what the, the difference is, is those are like update meetings and planning meetings, brainstorming meetings, we do take notes. That's the difference. So it's when we're trying to like, all right, come up with this whole new concept for a, a new mi- type of microconf event. We run through a bunch of stuff. We put it in Notion actually, and we just have bullets and we're moving them around and blah, blah, blah. So maybe that's, is that the case where this works better? I mean, I think so. I mean, I've had hundreds of those kind of brainstorming kind of meetings and, you know, you write stuff on whiteboards and you 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 say a lot of stuff and a lot of it gets lost. And then you like a couple of days later, you're like, wait, what was that thing I said? And you kind of look for it, but the whiteboards are raised, like the notes are gone. Like, you know, it's it's like having an undo. It's like having an undo button. Yeah. Where you can go back to it. Yeah. So I can imagine producer Xander, producer Ron and I are having a brainstorming meeting and we record it and I can send it to like rev.com for a buck a minute or 45, whatever, 75 cents a minute. Or I could send it through, like Castos has AI generated transcription built into it, right? For nothing, you know, 10 cents a minute or whatever. And there's just some services. So what is the idea that you have? How is it specifically good for meetings? You know, how, like what is built on top of it that is more than just me taking an auto file and getting a transcript? But let's just go back to the previous question you asked. I, I could do this other thing. Why should I use your product? Like that as a basic uh, reason to, to stop someone doing a product doesn't make any sense to me because... New products come out all the time. Like, why should someone use Drip when they can use Constant Contact? You know what I mean? Drip was a better product. I mean, it was substantially better. You know, it was like noticeably better. So it's, it would obviously be painful to send in, you know, it's, it's annoying to have to like, okay, you know, need to extract that audio into a file in some way. You need to send it. Like, if it's a purpose-built tool, then it's going to basically automatically do all that stuff for you. You don't have to think about it. It's like that. It's operating like the NSA. You know, <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like tracking. Well, actually, <laughs> have you ever jumped in a Zoom meeting and then like the person shows up and then their AI bot j- jumps in? And I think that's what it's. Is it transcribing? I don't even know what it's doing. I think it's recording Maybe, and transcribing. I don't know. Yeah, I don't so know. There, is, there are sales tools that do this, right? Where they will transcribe and then analyze how often the person says um or uh, how often which keywords when used a lot, tend to lead to sales or whatever. So yeah, this is interesting. But it's, it's also about the character of the app. It's about who you are as an entrepreneur creating the app and how you connect with your audience. Like that's a huge part of it as well. So you can build a really interesting and strong audience just from the character that you are, how you promote it, the reasons why you do it. So all that plays into it as well. It's not, and this is what I was talking about, why, why I love the fact that you're kind of passion-driven about the microconf stuff is, it's not just about executing a business. It's about you. You're the founder or in the middle of that, that business. And that's a huge part of why it's going to succeed or fail. Product founder fit, just like you said. And specifically because you said these two ideas, the first two, are for solo bootstrappers. These are more lifestyle bootstrappers. This is not a multi-million dollar idea as you've presented it. It could feasibly be, but it probably not. It's more like a, can I get this to 10K a month? Can I get it to 20K a month, right? And, and for that, this could be it. And so for someone listening to this, if I were thinking about a next step is I would try to talk to as many people as possible to find out who has this problem, what they've done to solve that problem, much like out of the mom test. Like you, you have this problem, what else have you done? And if they haven't done anything, maybe it's not worth it. How much would they pay for it? You know, th- these are the conversations I'd be looking at to have next. That's true. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to the next one. We'll cap that one as a transcription for team meetings idea, number one. Right. So number two, this comes from a texting listener on the texting discord, Will Wit. <laughs> Online time capsule. 
And this again is for a solo bootstrapper, so all the caveats that we just said apply to this. So basically, online time capsule upload files that get encrypted and give them a release date that would automatically trigger de-encryption at a point in time, days, months, years, or decades into the future. You could release it to a specific email address, or you could release it to a public release stream on the main site. So on a public page, it shows a list of upcoming releases, and it allows people to specify if the title is visible for the release or not. So the key point here is this could be useful for journalists, it could be useful for promotion, it could be useful for PR, or it could be useful for your family, for stuff like that. Fascinating. And so could it could also send a tweet feasibly. Like that could be the release of it, right? Yes, it could send a tweet. Yeah, absolutely. Or a Facebook post or post to Reddit or post to Hacker News. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to... <laughs> so basically it's like fully encrypted data release on a time. But it's different to a dead man's switch. It's different to a dead man's switch, yeah. Yes, because this is based on time rather than an ev a particular event. It's not like when I do, because I actually thought like I have some information I want to relay to my family like when I kick the bucket, but I don't particularly want <laughs> yeah, to give it to them now. <laughs> and I'm wondering like how, how to do that in a way that, you know, that, that is easy. But this isn't that, that's the event in the event that I die. This is more like a date-based thing, right? To do what you want to do, there's a site called deadmanswitch.com which would do what you want to do. But, the, but then, the, then this becomes a super interesting idea. It's like, who is the person behind this? Like, do I trust them? Like, is this really going to be released in 50 years? Um. <laughs> Will it be around? I mean, that's the other thing, right? If, as a solopreneur, I mean, we, how many of these apps do we see built and then gone within six months because they didn't generate enough revenue? And so, yeah, if I book it for five years. So what problem does this solve? The, the one thing you named that is like someone who, because I also can't see myself using this, but, I, but I, maybe I'm not thinking creatively enough. So I'm wondering who would. It's like, would a journalist, let's say I'm under embargo, right? Which means I get a story, I can't release the story until 8 a.m. on Thursday. Normally, you go into your CMS, you schedule it to go live 8 a.m. on Thursday on your, your WordPress instance or whatever. How do you think about this working for journalists? I mean, I didn't um, until just this second, but... Um, until you said it, yeah. Or, or anyone else, <laughs> like, you know, who has, who has the problem? I mean, I think the, the, the point is, is um, it's about... I mean, you could really use this for nefarious means, couldn't you? You could release, you could release different information bombs... You know, you could use it in a, in a bad way just as much as you could use it in a good way. Absolutely. Especially, can it be anonymous? You know, the, we haven't talked about that, but... Yeah, like it could be like a WikiLeaks kind of, you know, usage. Yes, you know, you could... When you first started saying that, I was like, is this, is this a WikiLeaks link? Because <laughs> the other point is, is other point with the ideas that I've come up with here, like we could have come up with really sensible ideas. I could have just said, okay, build a CRM. Because essentially, if you want to make money and you want to guarantee to make money, go into a huge market compete with other people and just build something that people are already using and that definitely makes money, like a CRM. Just take your own you know, niche version of it. But the problem is that's kind of boring to talk about on a show. It's boring and it's also very, the table stakes now are very, very high. To build Drip today, years of development as a solo developer that you cannot get anyone to sign up. So that those are amazing markets if you have funding or if you have you know, multiple people working on it. But yes, these ideas are, are certainly less boring than just talking about that. So yeah, let's look at our next. You have what, three or four for the more ambitious bootstrappers? I've got four ambitious bootstraps, four ambitious bootstraps. This next one is a lot of, you talk about my process. Like, so for me, a lot of ideas that I come up with are just as I'm walking around and it just seems like, huh, there should be this solution for that problem. So this one is uh, an ambitious bootstrapper project and it is pest control using drones. 
So where I live uh, in this big complex, there are seagulls pooping and congregating on our roofs. <laughs> and the, uh, the complex owners have spent tens of thousands on a laser system to get them away. And those lasers are really not very good. Whereas what you could do is you could simply just put a drone that parked on the roof. Uh, it has a little parking spot. And when it sees a bird, you know, using AI, it just sort of flies up and sort of acts aggressively and like chases it off. And, uh, you know, the innovations for that are it would need AI to check to, to sort of decide when, when birds were there. Um, it would need to be kind of quiet um, and it maybe could emit some kind of noise uh, to annoy birds or something like that. But that, I think, is an interesting, ambitious bootstrap. Oh, the other thing is, you just generally speaking, you could use drones for pest control in many ways. So you could use it in a field to get rid of crows that were eating crops. You could use it to get rid of, I don't know, foxes or rabbits or whatever. Many different applications. Interesting. This feels less like a bootstrapper idea and more like something I would raise funding for. How, how would you bootstrap this? Well, because you've got so many builder kit drones these days, you know, it's not, it's not super expensive uh, to do that. You've got so much access to AI uh, stuff, data modeling and stuff like that. So I'm, I think it would probably take more than one person. I think it could take a couple of people. Look, by default, if something is an ambitious bootstrap, it can be VC. It can be VC funded. But, you know, the problem with VC funding is, as you know, you gradually lose agency and control of your business and you lose more and more percentage of it and you end up working for someone else. Um, so what would be nice if you were going to do something like this would be to try not to get into that position. So obviously the problem is obvious. What you're saying is pest control. I used to live in Temple City and there were these parrots. You know the parrots. I'm sure you've heard them. Yeah, they're very loud. Yeah, and we get them in Pasadena, yeah. Yeah. The rumor is they escaped from somewhere at some point, Arboretum at some point, and they've bred, and they're these wild parrots. They're so obnoxious. So I think the problem is pretty obvious. And you're saying this is not a hardware play. You don't make your own drones. It's a software play. Isn't that right? I'm saying it's a, it's a whole, it's a holistic play. You know what? Like, obviously, as something scales, you get better. You bring more stuff in-house. I mean, that's what Elon Musk shows us. If he's proven anything, it's like over time to become more and more successful, bring more stuff in-house. But yeah, in the first place, you build, you buy, you don't build. So you, you sort of cobble the pieces together and then you just work out. Because you know when you get deep into a problem, like I'm well, the list problem as I'm doing this text editor thing, the deeper you get into it, the more revelations you have. Holy crap, if I do this kind of thing, I could make it amazing, you know, because of these little granular tweaks. Well, that's what, you know, any startup's like. And I think this would be, be like that. The, the components would be the hardware. You know, you'd need to get the good hardware to do it. You'd need to have a good, a good AI to do it. And there's also, there's a charging station and just, it needs to be quite autonomous. That's, the, that's another kind of point about it. That's a thing, I agree. I see the money in this one, not being in selling to individual apartment complexes, but in going to like facilities, like let's say a campus, like Facebook campus in, is it San Jose or Campbell or wherever they are, and they have all these buildings and you know that they have bird problems and pest problems and whatever, and selling to it. You don't start with them, right? Because that's a big sale, but you kind of get your proof of concept going and then you figure out people. I'm even thinking whenever I, when I'm around Europe and we're going Italy or France or whatever, they, there's just all these pigeons everywhere and they have all these spikes that look ridiculous and don't actually, you know, the pigeons still land. Around, exactly. Right? So there's like, like in those public squares and all that. It could definitely be a VC. I mean, it could definitely be a VC idea grow at a very fast pace and it, and it could be, you know, a massive business. And it's not just the birds thing. Like it's also farming. Like, you know, for organic farming, think about that. One of the hardest uh, things about organic farming is like, 
not using pesticides or whatever. I don't know, whatever chemicals they use to keep things away. Yeah, this one's interesting. I, I do think if I were to do it, I would raise money right from the start. I would not try to bootstrap it. Not saying you couldn't. I just think when you bootstrap, you go slower because money in your personal life saves you hours. Money in your business saves you years. And so this is one that is probably inevitably going to happen, I think. Like this is just going to be a thing. So I need to get there faster. How fast can I get there by raising money, right? So just, just to what you just said, this is inevitably going to be a thing. I mean, that is actually, that's true with pretty much any idea. <laughs> you know, if, if, it's any, if it's worth any salt, it's going to be a thing. So just another reason why I get kind of irritated when people say, oh, you can't do it because of this and because of that. Okay, next one, pre-recorded live interviews. This, here's, here's an example of it. I mean, I think it could be used in multiple ways. Um, and this one comes from, by the way, comes from Jeremy Noonan who you matched me with in my mastermind group, who I really appreciate. I've got two great people in my mastermind group, Chaz and Jeremy. Awesome. MicrocraftMasterminds.com. Yeah. So screening job applicants with pre-recorded questions, but getting live answers. So the key point here is applicants go to a page. You can talk to them by text or you can talk to them by video in a pre-recorded way and then ask them questions. And then they respond to the interview but they don't really have time to go away and, and Google it or whatever. So you can get their sort of a moment of thinking answers, but you can do it at scale. So th think about like you could really scale the applicant inbox review process. You can get way more than just a resume. For example, let's say you wanted to create a really deep pre-qualifying applicant funnel for developers. You know, the first one could be like simple resume level, just ask some basic questions. Then the next one gets deeper on technical stuff. And so you can get you can get those higher quality candidates in an automated scaled way. You know, and there's a lot of different customers for this. Like customers could be companies, customers could be agencies, many different customers. That's interesting. So you're saying me as the interviewer, I would pre-record five different questions of tell me about yourself. What are your biggest strengths? What do you know? There would be better questions than that. But I record those individually and then they would be in an interface uh, like QuickTime or Loom or I mean it's obviously a, a built interface but they basically or almost like a Zoom thing where it comes up. Yeah. That's interesting. And it's live. And so the other thing is by the time the start because think about how much time is wasted just getting to the right people. So by the time you're your staff who are your really good people who work for you, who are expensive, by the time they get to see anyone, they've got a showreel to look at. They've got a showreel, you know? So that just helps everyone in every way of that hiring process. Yeah, so I like, there's something I like about this and something I don't like about it. And the thing I really like about it is the efficiency, like you said, I and I love async. Oh my gosh, I, I want my whole life. I hope my whole life, I wish you and I could record this podcast ASIC because just finding time on both of our calendars, I guess you and I are probably an exception because we actually have pretty open calendars, but a lot of times I'll go to try to record a podcast and it's like, well, the next time we can do it with, you know, with a busy person is a month from now. And it's like, ugh, I really like async. So I like those things. Couple things I struggle with with this is I think as a candidate, I might feel like this is like the dystopian future. 1984, like cattle call, like really couldn't even take the time to chat with me. Like that's the, uh, you know, there's always the charitable view of, of technology and the uncharitable interpretation is like, woof, big tech, just putting me through a process, inhuman. So I think that some people could feel that way. Let me just, let me just say, so that, that could be set up with expectations. That could be sort of kind of managed through expectations. And even the person giving the, asking the question could say that. 
and by the way, just just so that everyone knows, on every idea, I'm personally undecided oh, at yeah. every point until I see it successful. Yeah. So this, so I, you know, I'm not pitching it as like this. I definitely believe in every idea. I I don't know. I mean, I'm just I'm in the same position as you. I'm sort of like yeah, but I think it's interesting. Yeah. Oh, totally. Well, that's why it's helpful for us to play the opposite side. I mean, sometimes on this podcast, I will literally play devil's advocate where I am saying things that I don't agree with because I'm tr- because if we both agree, it's not that interesting. Right, right. So I'm yeah. coming up, I'll come up with a pro, you know, you can come up with a con. I don't have an issue with that. I know that when we've, we've tried to have developers record a 60 second video of just like, tell us, and like, we'll get very few applicants because developers don't want to. Other roles like sales, customer success, people who are more used to being on camera don't have as much of an issue with it. So I do think there'll be a hurdle, like a hurdle. And maybe it's this is better for certain roles. Maybe it's just audio. That might be even better too because I have another thing I heard, and then we'll, then we'll move off. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but someone had a hiring process where they did require video and someone brought up the idea of of diversity and of someone not wanting you know, that some folks shy away because it's like, well, when they see me on camera, if I'm not a cis white male, then maybe I'm lower on that, right? So, but audio could potentially get around some of that, although you'd still have gender stuff, whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we need to go too far into this. So interesting idea. What's the next one? Okay, next one. So we've got, we've had two interesting. That's, that's all I actually want. I just want to see if you find them interesting. That's the main point for me. Okay, so number three, this is actually, um, for me, this is something that I've posted in Nugget it's a problem that I had thought about. I never really got into it because it's, I think it will require a, a significant amount of work. And, but I do think that there's a lot of potential here. A special diet builder. Okay, so special diet builder. So step one, scrape every food recipe on the internet. Step two, create an interface to build any diet you want, gluten-free, vegan, nut-free, paleo. Step three, present recipes in a unified format with a link to the original. You can sell this to nutritionists, to the general public, medical professionals, or you could create multiple landing pages and do an ad or an affiliate play. But a key point is with a food framework, if, if you just limit to a specific food framework, it's much easier to stick to an eating and diet plan. I'm much more bearish on this one. See, I don't like B2C stuff. You need buckets of money, the churn is high, blah, blah, blah. Would copyright be an issue with this? You're scraping all the stuff and then even if you link to it, but you're selling it to them, yeah. Well, you're selling it to nutritionists, and you you could sell it. You could sell it to nutritionists. You could sell it to. I mean, there, there, there's a consumer aspect which you could sell it to consumers. But probably another aspect would be to sell it to businesses. All right. So it's both. I'm just gonna squint my eyes at you and say, "What's the next one?" <laughs> I don't like this one. <laughs> this is my least favorite of all of them. Okay, uh, okay. This and online time capsule. They they're together at the bottom of the list for me. Okay. Oh yeah, online time. Okay, so this one. I just thought of the pretty, this is my most recent one. So um, I'll just read through the spiel and then we'll talk about it. Casting director, talent finder. This is one of many possible ideas that there are for things like Mid Journey and Dali 2. But it's just something I've been thinking about a lot recently because there's so much of it out there. I've seen some blogs recently where they imagine what cartoon characters would look like in real life by working them up in Dali or Stable Diffusion. And the end result looked like real people. Real people and very well done. And I've also seen how easy it is to create people's faces based on a description. So what I was thinking is you could build a system for a casting director, talent finder, like a SaaS solution essentially would have two steps. One, generate the face that you are ideally interested in for your project. So you go through your whole project, you you develop all the faces. And then step two, basically use facial recognition to search through IMDB and all the different talent websites where actors are available and, and then sort of pull them back. So some notes about this. The movie business is all about the look. Uh, that's the primary driver of talent search. 
This would increase the number of close matches for casting directors significantly and save them an insane amount of time. It's a nice B2B revenue model. It could be sold as two separate products or plans. You know, number one, the ability to build the face and number two, the ability to find the actors. The key point here is it could save hours of legwork and get better results. That's super interesting. It's, I mean, this is what I love, honestly, about running Tiny Seed is that we get these applicants and I'm able to look through just ideas I would never even know about or think about. And this idea is one I would not know about or think about. But I, li- I like the use of just the roundabout. It's like the look to AI to reverse image search is really what it is, which I think is great. So here's where I, I, I like this one because it's just, it's fun. And it would be the validating this is not that hard, right? Valid- if I were to try to next step from this, I need to talk to 20, 30 casting directors. I need to say like, if we built this, does this make sense? And find out, is this not within their process? Is that not, do they not start from the look? Do half casting directors don't give a crap about the look and they give a crap about something else? Like that's what I want to know because I know so little about this industry and and this process that I want to know how do they actually do it? How, you know, across 20, 30 different casting directors. They must just have to look through thousands of photos. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know how they do it. And so I'd want to find out and not just from one because I'm guaranteed there's like, and is it casting directors or is it, yeah, no, I guess that's what it is, right? It is, that's the right role. But it's all, yeah. it could be casting directors, but also it's like, it's like the other people, like the, the main director and, and that kind of stuff. So it could, it could sort of create this, this central hub around the casting of it, you know, that could, you could have a dashboard for the, for the director, for the producers, you know, and then you, yeah, I, I think there's something there. This, this could be a VC kind of thing or it could be, a, a, you know, bootstrap kind of thing as well. Yeah, it's interesting. All right, what's next? Okay, so we're on to the VC ideas. Now I've got two of them here. Uh, one of them from Chaz, who's also in my mastermind that you, got, you set up. And then another one that, that I just thought of. And I genuinely have no idea if this is any good. This is a complete pile of crap. I just don't know. But what I see is I see... VCs in the media kind of complaining about stuff like founders having parties, stuff like that. Yeah. So I had an idea to create a cash burn alert for VCs. So, you know, you use Played uh, to plug into all the startups accounts, look at the spending heuristics. If a huge party spend on ridiculous stuff happens, alert the VC. Uh, VCs can offer potentially better terms on the deal if you're prepared to just at least have this basic monitoring. <laughs> this is, oh man, I love your stuff. This is so funny. So, so this is like, it's monitoring. It's like, I'm going to invest and I'll give you an extra million dollar of your valuation if you allow us to... Uh, if you just make, if I could just check your you're not being a total child with the money that I give you. <laughs> Dude, oh, you're killing me. So yeah, that's interesting. So you can get alerts. That's a that's yeah, the key thing because obviously VCs VCs have the right the information right, so they can look at your books. But do they want to every quarter comb through it and look at every expense? No, they don't. And so you're saying you'd set up some type of it's the, way you'd to have be good, You'd have good heuristics to just say <laughs> eh, eh, they're, they're, all of them are, I, are like they hired a yacht with a hot tub. This oh my gosh, how would it know that though? It would just see a big expense. It could be like the office rent or it could be payroll or it could be a one-time expense to invest in that's sales. that's implementational details that's not okay. my problem oh man you <laughs> hand waver <laughs> dude okay so i'm just gonna shrug my shoulders and say hey it's vc backable idea i could see it uh, i've seen weirder ideas um backed by venture funding this could help de-risk investments potentially 
if if anyone was prepared to go through. Maybe. Okay, this- it's pretty rare, honestly, the big, the, you know, the launch parties and the yachts, like it is so rare. So few companies do it. So that's where I'm a little bit like, <laughs> just, <laughs> I really like it. <laughs> All right. Okay, this one? next one. This next one is, I- I'm afraid this isn't funny. Okay. This is Chaz's. This is really serious. This is a proper business. You know, it's the least fun of all the ones we had, but it's probably the most serious that you could actually turn into something big. Basically, ETL data pipeline modeling tool, a no-code tool that can ingest and transform huge amounts of data and export it in a transform format to other systems with parallel processing, i.e. it's a pipe between two systems. It kind of sounds like Zapier, but that's actually different because that just works one event, one line at a time. This is for bulk data movement. So think Yahoo pipes, but industrial scale. So Examples. Let's say you have to migrate one petabyte database from Postgres to a different structure, no SQL database, rather than writing scripts and spinning up lots of infrastructure. You just point this tool at it and it will auto scale that massive data slurp and save on developer time because that's what normally happens with these kind of situations. You just have to, you know, create a whole bunch of stuff and that you never use again. So, you know, ETL extraction, transform and load and, um, it is really slow waiting for big data to move around the place. Really, really slow. I think that a lot of companies like, I'm just to pick something out, Facebook or whatever, you know, just a tool that could just really scale and make it fast to move massive amounts of data around could be very, very helpful. This feels like an almost bootstrappable business, at least to start with, because you could build it on a smaller scale. I mean, the first thing I would do as a founder is I would want to find out what is the landscape look like? Not to say, oh, someone's doing this, so I'm not going to build it. That's not what I'm saying. It's who's doing it? Who's adjacent to this? How are they doing it? What's working for them? What's not? What's my angle to get in? How am I going to be better or different or something, right? And this is a piece of software that maybe you start with only, it only does MySQL to Postgres. Like what what are the biggest, what are the most common, what's the single most common database migration today from one to another? If I were to bootstrap it, right? If I were a venture, you'd build 10 at once because you have 10 million in the bank. But if I were to take it slow, it's like, you know, a lot of people moving from MySQL to Postgres. Let's see how we do that. I like your your no no code no code yeah your, yeah no code sorry and I see a need for this if it doesn't already if the problem is not already solved really well this is a fascinating idea and I could see it both being bootstrappable and NVC because you could this is one that where you could make enough money to make it make sense even at a small scale versus some of the other ideas a lot of VC ideas they they don't work at small scale that's the point of them right. This is a, a dev toolkit, but also the, the whole service to do it as well. It's the service. To, but let me just, I'll, I'll play a little devil's advocate about this one. I was sort of thinking about, because I've done these, these kind of things a lot, you know, as a developer of 25 years building big systems. One issue that I was thinking is, okay, you make the middle part really fast. So you scale up, you do parallel processing, but you're kind of limited by the input and the output points. Like if that database you're slurping from is slow, or if the database you're inputting to is slow, that's sort of like your limitation. So you could make it really fast in the middle, you know, the transform stuff, but you might be a bit limited on both ends by what's already there. But maybe that's, you know, maybe that's fine. It's, it's, it's just still this point of like, I think a lot of cases are, it's slow in the middle. It's the transform stuff. It's transforming so many petabytes and you have to build parallel system that, that transforms that and keeps it all in order and stuff. So, All right. So 
you've brought eight ideas. Thanks so much. Two solopreneur, four ambitious bootstrapper, and two VC. Although I think you could kind of bootstrap one of them. But um, do we want to go like high and low, like top one or two favorites? Do you have favorites? Or you're just are you just agnostic to all of them? Because I see I have opinions, right? That's what I bring to this. It's like through my lens, the, the ones I think that are most interesting through my bo- lens of boring. Because I like boring businesses, right? You know, that's a really good point that you bring up. Like, because of thinking through 4,000 ideas, I am agnostic to all ideas. And I, I believe that any idea can be successful until it's proven otherwise. But that, and that's kind of why I believe in the whole fail fast concept. It's like, just go, go out there and test it and speak to people and just fail fast and move through them as quickly as possible. Yeah, awesome. Do you mind if I do the, my top two? Yeah, the, pl- okay. yeah please do, yeah. So yeah. my favorites of this... I mean, obviously, I really like the ETL data transfer tool because it's just, it's technical, it's just nerdy enough, it's just boring enough, and I'm sure it solves a problem someone has. So I, I really dig that one. I also, the casting director talent finder is just fun and interesting. And I'm not saying I would go out and build it, and I would personally wouldn't even be the person to build it. But if someone is in that sphere at all, you know, where you're around filmmakers, casting directors, the movie industry, it's just a fascinating use of a new technology and it's that get there early, right? There's an, one of the advantages I talk about in startups is getting there early and this could potentially be something where you could get there early. There's obvious headwinds, obvious behavior changes, blah, blah, blah. We could talk through the negatives, but I, I dig that one quite a bit. For me, the funniest one was the cash burn alert for VCs. I don't know why that tickled me. It's just <laughs> hilarious because it's so out there and, and I'm going to throw that. And then probably my least favorite, the ones that I, I don't quite understand the I think it's, I just don't understand the problem they solve are the, is the recipes, it's B2C and the online time capsule one, where even like transcripts for meetings where I don't have the problem myself, I, I'm sure someone has that problem, you know, and the drone pests, I wouldn't do the drone one because I don't like hardware, but it's a problem. And so how is, how are we going to start, right? Each of these applicant pre-recorded interviews, it's a problem, right? So each of these I can see, except for, again, I'm not saying there's no problem. It's just of these eight ideas, those are probably my two least, least favorite for me. Well done, sir. Oh, sure. Justin, thanks so much for bringing all your amazing ideas to the show and discussing them with me. If people want to keep up with you on Twitter, you are at Justin Vincent. And of course, nugget.one. If they want to see the project you used to be working on and now see trylist.io for what you're working on now. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again to Justin Vincent for joining me. Thank you for listening this week and every week. It's great to have you here. appreciate all your support on social media, Reddit Hacker News, all the mentions, they mean a lot to me. This is Rob Walling, signing off from episode 638.